So today's episode of the Australia Show, we're going to have an absolute blast. We've got Sonny Webster from Australia, who will be coming on to discuss all things barbell. But before we begin, we have just launched a new version of Shredder 8, which is an ultimate uh, eight-week fat loss program to help you build muscle, burn body fat, get a fully customized nutrition plan, up to seven different diet options a week, get a fully customized training program, all updated every four weeks for you for just £47 or $60 per month. If you want to get involved, hit the show notes, and there is the link there to get started with the updated new version of Shred Nate, which is the world's number one fat loss program. Now we're going to get into the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure today to have uh, absolute legend and G from uh, Australia, Sonny Webster, onto the podcast. So he's currently training out of base gym in Sydney with Sebastian Oreb, the Australian strength coach, a hell of a lot I've seen. Uh, so he's a former yeah. weightlifting athlete, uh, represented Team GB and an expert in all things barbell and mobility. So thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Really, really appreciate your time today, Sonny. Thank you for having me, brother. Um, so first, to get things sort of cracking, in terms of uh, Olympic lifting, like what is the definition of Olympic lifting and how did you first get come across that in terms of a, like an athletic endeavour? Yeah, well, I mean, Olympic weightlifting, when I started ooh, go about 15 years ago now, um, was a very different sport to what it is now. I mean, obviously, CrossFit's had a huge impact on the popularity of Olympic weightlifting. But when I first started it, it was probably only about four or five gyms in the whole of the UK where you could go and do Olympic weightlifting properly. So it was a lot smaller, a lot less well-known than it is now. And I got into it completely, um, completely by chance through my school that I'd moved to. I had no intention of becoming an Olympic weightlifter. It was just something that I found through, through being at school. So I was very fortunate to get into it that way. And uh, weightlifting, for listeners that don't know what it is, Olympic weightlifting in its own essence is two movements, the snatch and the clean and jerk. The snatch, you move the bar from the floor um, straight ahead in one movement, and the clean and jerks, the two-part movement. First of all, the clean, which is onto the shoulders and standing up, and then the jerk is the movement where we're driving the bar up and overhead. Cool. And in terms of um, like your correlation of coming into that as, a, as like a sport, how did that initially take place? Did you come from a rugby background or anything like that from school? Was there any influence from that or any other sports? No. So believe it or not, um, the sport that I first started in was actually golf um, when I was younger. Yeah, it's a very big difference. But I'll tell you why it's kind of interesting and how I guess they work really well together in a moment. But yeah, I was first of all was playing golf from a, from a very young age, my dad was a golfer and naturally I followed suit and played as well. Um, so that was kind of my main thing when I first started. And I never really appreciated the traits that I'd learned or gathered from golf that actually in time had helped me pick up weightlifting so well. So obviously with golf, there's a huge element um, of timing and coordination um, in order to obviously strike the ball correctly. It's a very similar feeling when you're executing the snatch or a clean um, correctly in terms of the timing when the bar makes contact with the body. So there, I guess there's a lot of elements of, a, of golf that I still carried over in terms of skill acquisition that you can apply to the sport of Olympic weightlifting, however far apart those sports may seem when you, when you look at them from the outside. I'm saying, I think it's one of those things, it's the same with 
when something just moves right, you know before you've like it's like within the first millisecond of initiating any movement, you know whether it's going to go like if golf before you even hit the ball, where it's if it's going to be perfect shot, like you can tell straight away. And the same with uh, like my minimal experience of Olympic lifting. As soon as you even like move the bar and take the weight, you you almost know straight away instinctively how it's going to go from there. Of course, it's that it's the the first part of the movement has to be bang on, else it's just a chain reaction of everything else going tits up. From your development from obviously school, from coming into Olympic lifting, what were the, the big things you, you first learned and sort of came across that you really focused on to excel to the level you did? Yeah, well, I think the, the big difference between me and between the majority of people nowadays that get into Olympic weightlifting is the age in which I started. So starting at the age of 11, I had no issues with my movement, with my mobility. Uh, my coordination was, was very good at that age. So a lot of the stumbling blocks or factors that people struggle with when they get into Olympic weightlifting nowadays, I didn't have. So it made the learning process for me in terms of actually understanding and learning how to do Olympic weightlifting much easier. So the first sort of key things that we would focus on when I first started weightlifting was obviously understanding the technique and the bar path and the way the bar should move as well as coordinate my body. Whereas I find for a lot of people now and the people that I coach, that in fact is that the biggest bit that we have to focus on initially is actually teaching people how to move well first, how to have coordination because, you know, a lot of the time people are getting into the sport, are getting into sport or getting into fitness and finding weightlifting through CrossFit at the age of 30 years old, but they've spent the last 10, 15 years sat behind a desk or not really doing much sport exercise and fitness. So the process in which I learned to versus how I teach someone now are two very different things. It's quite an interesting caveat to go down. Do you find that you have to almost like really scale everything back and regress almost like, as you said uh, before, you're talking about like when people initiate movements, almost like take everything back to the real basics with people now because you're almost trying to undo maybe some of the movement patterns or postural issues they might have. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think, at the end of the day, when people come in to do weightlifting, they want to lift a bar. That's the whole reason why they're there. So to completely disregard the barbell, as much as I would love to do that sometimes and just get people working on their movement, there still has to be that element where you're going to allow people to practice doing a back squat, doing a deadlift, you know, core basic movements, and not necessarily the full snatch and the clean and jerk. So they're getting that stimulus of moving weight. But yes, there is the majority of the time it's teaching people how to do a full range squat comfortably, you know, how to do an overhead squat with their hands above their head. These seem like simple things when you discuss them, but for a lot of people that is still very challenging in, in the beginning phases of their fitness journey. So um, addressing that at the start is important just purely on the basis that it makes the rest of the learning process 10 times easier if we're not getting to certain positions and struggling because we can't find the most ideal depth um, or the best position in the overhead because weightlifting is so technical. It does require for you to get in those most efficient positions for you to execute it the best you can. That's where you'll see not necessarily the strongest guys lifting the most weight because they take on that technical efficiency. 
It's, it's interesting you say that because at the start, what well, you just mentioned about overhead squat, I'd never really overhead squatted before until the start of this lockdown situation and training with a friend of mine, Dan, he's got a home gym, he's a CrossFit coach. And I'd never yeah. tried even to really do an overhead squat before. And the first time I did it, it literally took my soul and it was like a very humbling experience uh, where you're used to like a normal barbell squat or just using like hack squats and things like that. And it's a very, for like an advanced lift, it's a very interesting experience, almost like re regressing your body back. But what I found yeah. was the ability to improve from that with everything else where I like created more um, core stability and my hips were starting to move better by like pushing myself through that and like pursuing that further and further made a big difference. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people here that are probably listening uh, would, it would be the first thing that you would address when you start to look at wanting to do Olympic weightlifting would be understanding that overhead squat. And the, the key thing and the key tip that I give anyone when it comes to learning how to do an overhead squat is the stimulus and feeling on the body has to be the exact same as what it is when you do a normal barbell back squat. So initially, once you get the bar locked out overhead and into a solid position, you've almost got to forget about the barbell being overhead and focus on what the big muscles are doing. That makes it 10 times easier to run through high repetitions, overhead squats, or even stabilize the bar overhead because you're letting the weight sink down into the lower body. So that's always the key thing that I'm teaching someone when they first want to understand and learn how to do the overhead squat. It's interesting you say that because I actually found it slightly easier with more weight on the bar than when initially when there's no weight, I found it very awkward. Um, yeah. So that's quite an interesting point. I'm um, talking about obviously strength with Olympic lifting. And you mentioned earlier, it's not necessarily the strongest guys who or girls who are necessarily the best Olympic lifters. Do you see a big difference in team between like strength and power between say people who are just say like from like a powerlifting point of view or just very strong guys compared to people who are actually very good at Olympic lifting? I think it's just go back on the point you made just a moment ago. I think it's interesting how you said that it made it feel easier when you put on the put on more weight. Yeah. Now, a lot of people will say that when they when they start out at Olympic weightlifting or try it, no, it's easier you know, with more weight, just purely because it gives you some resistance in order to feel stability. But for me, it's very important that when people are going through that learning process that they understand how to do it without no weight first before loading up. And that's learning the basic biomechanics of the movement without any load before doing it with load. So I know a lot of people are thinking, yeah, I'm the same. They enjoy it they find it easier with the weight, but you're getting pushed into positions, which to a degree from a mobility standpoint can be beneficial. But once you're learning a dynamic movement, it can become a much more, um, it may ruin your learning process if you start with a heavy weight, because you might not be getting your most um, efficient position or the deepest position you can do once loaded. In terms of the strength and power side of Olympic weightlifting, what was your question there again? the um, correlation between it's not necessarily the strongest guys who might yeah. be the best lifters in that respect. So say, for example, like some of the guys you train with, like Sebastian's obviously uh, incredibly strong, but however, I imagine some of the Olympic lifts it probably aren't his forte in terms of mobility or the way he moves, for example. Yeah, so it's been, it's been incredibly interesting and enjoyable training with Sebastian over the um, over the last sort of six to eight months, because obviously we're both very elite in our two sports, but they're also extremely different.
But what's interesting and what you'll find by the way you see that me and Sebastian train is although weightlifting, although powerlifting is called powerlifting, it's actually very strength-based. And Olympic weightlifting is the more power-based movement because of the element of speed that's involved in it. So although we train two very different movements, the styles in which we train is very similar, which is why, you know, for me and Sebastian training um, together, we're constantly bouncing ideas off each other in terms of me being able to apply some of the core strength um, strength styles of training that he implements in his training but then from my point of view showing him some of the more um, mobility-based exercises and things that I do to ensure the most efficient movement but you'll be surprised he's one of the only powerlifters that I've met that has a very good range of motion um, he does still front squat he does still high bar squat because he appreciates the importance of still being able to work through a full range or to work the muscle through a full range of motion regardless of the fact whether it's um, that that he's going to compete in he's going to short work in he's going to compete in a short range of motion it's still important to work through the full range of motion and this was a huge thing in rugby over the last sort of six to eight years in the way that rugby players are addressing their strength and conditioning because they don't necessarily want to implement the full Olympic movements because of the technical aspect of them. So they'll only work through half squats because, you know, they say, they suggest that, you know, wait, uh, rugby players wouldn't necessarily go into positions where they're in a full squat. However, other rugby clubs and other rugby coach strength and conditioning coaches will want to teach their athletes how to work through a full range and complete the full movement, regardless of the fact that it may not be ranges in which they go into it, for example, in a scrum or in a ruck. So I think there's, there's always lessons to be learned from, from both sides of the sport and, you know, weightlifting being a hell of a lot more technical than any of the other strength sports um, that are there. It does then become an element of the technique will become the li limiting factor in the starting phase for a lot of people more so than the strength. But then the better you get at Olympic weightlifting, the strength is the, the thing will separate you from 10th place and first place in Olympic Games. The techniques are very similar. So do you find at the elite level across the board, the strength is generally fairly consistent, but it's just the people with the best technique and who are probably the most efficient moving the weight necessarily excel the most? Other way around. So, you know, for me, as a technical lifter, I'd be right up there with the top, in the world in terms of where my technique has, but it was, but if you were to stack up my strength numbers against theirs, mine would be way down. So I lift to the best I can within my, I guess within my strength numbers, but that's the thing that sort of limits me back. But at the same time, the strength is much easier to train than the technique at a later stage. Um, but one thing that I've appreciated massively about powerlifting is although it's a much shorter range of motion, a much slower movement than Olympic weightlifting, there is still a huge element um, of technique that's required for them to execute the, their performances as best as possible. 100%. Now, obviously, one of the big things we, we've touched about already, which is one of the big things I want to talk about on the podcast today, was the importance of mobility, which I know is something you really specialize in and put like a huge amount of like, awesome educational information out there. Like, what do you think is the, the main starting points most people should look at in terms of mobility-wise when coming into something like Olympic lifting or even just the basic big lifts? Yeah, so I think mobility was one of the things that, 
you know, I was traveling around the world delivering my Olympic weightlifting seminars to the CrossFit industry. And whenever I'd say, what's your biggest struggle, people would say, I can't get into these positions or I struggle um, with mobility aspect of it. So that naturally then pushed my focus in terms of the kind of content and education that I wanted to give people towards what their biggest issue was. Um, I guess the key areas for me in terms of that we need to focus on is not to do the Olympic movements is ankles hips and upper thoracic or shoulders. They're kind of the key areas um, that I'll always get people to focus on. They're also areas that if you do a desk job, if you do an office job, will get seized up very easily. So I guess that that's the main areas that I would get people to focus on. But at the same time, like mobility, once you start doing it consistently, is something that you will see progress in very quickly. But a lot of the time, it's just spending spending time in the positions that you want to be in when you're Olympic weightlifting. I, you know, you will have seen the the funny memes of people sat in a squat, you know, eating their breakfast or sat in a squat waking waiting for the bus stop. It is just literally spending more time down there, more time in those positions, more times with your arms above your head, etc. That they will become more comfortable. And as much as I guess I've got a lot of different um, methods in terms of how I teach people mobility. That's more for variation. There's no one secret stretch that is going to affect someone and make you all of a sudden more mobile. It's just different implement, implementing the same techniques in different ways. You know, there's getting the same stimulus. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an area that I've in, enjoyed spending a lot of time in. And I think purely for the Olympic weightlifting and where it varies from stretching or flexibility is for, um, for Olympic weightlifting for mobility. At the end of the day, you're going to be under load when you're lifting. So therefore you have to take that into account when you're mobilizing for the Olympic movement. So a lot of the drills and exercises that I do are extremely high resistance or under an element of load. I think that's very important to remember because it's very easy for someone to sit, for example, at the bottom of a squat position with body weight or minimal weight with no issue at all. But if that's not reflective to what you would do in like a normal training scenario, it's not really relevant because like that's going to go out the window straight away. And I think it's one of those things that people have the biggest opportunity to improve is where they're weak. And most people, as you said, are going to be weak at those key points, like the bottom of the squat, for example. So if they can focus yeah. on probably improve that and actively get stronger there and like activate the muscles and get stronger there rather than just trying to release stuff because so i think that's something i see a lot of times like particularly maybe more with crossfit people is they try and like they want to foam roll everything like for like hours and it's like not necessarily about releasing things it's about activating the right muscles and getting them necessarily stronger to support your structure exactly exactly that and you've hit the nail on the head there when you say getting stronger in those positions once you've given someone a range of motion like for a gymnast, for example, um, or well, a gymnast not the best example because they're probably quite strong. But some like someone who does yoga, for example, has a great range of motion. The minute you load that person or put them under load, they feel completely out of control or aren't strong in those positions. And that's where mobilizing for the Olympic movements again differs from being flexible because we do need that strength in those most vulnerable positions or in our most in our end of ranges. So that's where, again, we're strengthening and stabilizing those ranges as well as increasing them. 
it's often a, like from my experience I've seen is where people get injured is when they get forced into the end range of motion somewhere where they don't have the stability or control and pop that's when they get a muscle tear or pull something because 100% 100% and I've seen it happen in before my eyes so many times you very very rarely see anyone pull a muscle like within the middle of a muscle belly for example like no one generally tears the middle of their quad or anything like that it's going to be yes um in regards to your own like routine like sonny what what does that look like at the moment obviously your mobility i presume is still very very good all the time from obviously from what i've seen you training wise how do you structure your own mobility work at the moment yeah well i just think in 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 general in my training i think over the last few years i've Definitely changed my approach. You know, after 10 years of training, uh, after the Olympic Games, I would have felt at that point in my life as a coach and as an athlete, I had a pretty good understanding of the way in which things should be done. Um, and I think it's only been over the last few year, years that I've started to develop an understanding that there's more than one way to do get the same outcome. And I think that's just come with experience and being able to learn from other coaches and being open to the fact that the way that I'd done things previously isn't the only way that things need to be done. So I think I've learned a lot about the way in which I, I train um, over the last two or three years. So I went from training nine times a week doing five to seven hours worth of training a day to now I train five days a week, five sessions a week, and I do maybe two hours a day. So the training load that I'm doing is half of what I used to do, but yet I'm probably at my strongest I've ever been in my career now. Now, if you looked at those two training programs, they would be completely different. So you'd say, well, why are you getting the same outcome from something that's two different, completely different programs? Because just purely by training, changing my training stimulus, I can still have the same outcome effect. And that's just been proof in, in my own training that, you know, there isn't necessarily one set way that, I need to do in order to perform my best. So nowadays, my training looks like I squat three times a week instead of seven times, just purely because the time in which, the amount of times throughout the week that I wanna go below 90 degrees, I can only do it three times a week, plus my cleans and my squats before my knees start hurting. Whereas before when I was training nine times a week, every single session I'd break 90 degrees, I'd always get repetitive flare-ups in my knees, inflammation from breaking 90 degrees too much. So again, that's an area in which I learned that, okay, well now we can't squat as much, so we're gonna reduce the amount of times that you break 90. So I squat three times a week. I have one day that's based on overhead work. So that's when I'm doing my power jerks, my split jerks, um, all my overhead squats. So we know as I've explained the two movements that the snatch and the clean and jerk both require overhead strength and stability. So I dedicate one day to that. And then my other two training session is one based around snatch and one based around clean and jerk. Like I said, the technical element for me isn't something that I need to focus on as much. So I'll only spend two sessions a week of my five where I'm actually focusing on technique. The rest of them are more strength based. So there and the mobility in terms of, for me, I've already got the range of motion that I want, so I'm not necessarily mobilizing so much, but I will be spending a lot of time strengthening my positions. So for example, the way in which I would mobilize for my Olympic weightlifting now would be um, 
implementing exercises like snatch balance, overhead squats, SOTS press, um, clean grip SOTS press, those kind of exercises under load that are going to have a same, the desired effect for me um, on my heavier lifts. So it's kind of like I'd say this level of mobility that I do would be more advanced, whereas lower level mobility, getting a full range of motion would be going through, like I said, the basics of exercises, being able to do squats against the wall, etc. You're, you're, you're essentially training to keep your mobility, if that makes sense. Like yeah, that, of course. Which, which is pretty awesome to see. Um, that, that in itself, I think one of the things there was interesting you said is how like there's more than one approach to get the end result because I think so many people are very tunnel visioned with their, like whether it be for fat loss or building muscle, whatever it is, some people can get very tunnel vision. Like this is the only way to do it. You have to do a ketogenic diet or whatever it might be. There's, there's a lot more different ways to get to the end result. It's finding what maybe works best with you. And like, as you said, your knees were starting to play up. So you had to adjust accordingly. Yeah, well, this is it. And that's just come from, um, time experience age i think the younger athletes and coaches are in terms of their experience will be like this is the way that works i know it works so this is the only way the older you get the more experienced you get the more time you get to work with other coaches the more you actually understand the way that other people um implement their training methods to athletes and still see great results so you know like i said again being surrounded by bass being surrounded by um, other incredible coaches in their own right and in their own sports. It enables you to feed off and learn from other schools of thought that you can still apply to your own training. Coming back to that point, what would, what would you say is the biggest thing you've learned from, uh, learned from Sebastian in terms of training, nutrition, anything? Um, it's, it's hard. I'd say um, the styles in which we... I guess we reinforce each other a lot in terms of... Um, what we do we just implement it um differently i'd say um one of the things i've learned most from sebastian i'd say is not needing to necessarily overload all the time um whereas in olympic weightlifting a style in which i train a lot of the time we'd always overload through the exercises that we would do whereas with sebastian there's definitely an element where um we're training like sub maximally for each day and taking small progressions as opposed to going to maximum every single session. Um, that's been really, really interesting. Um, I think also in terms of the amount of volume that we're doing per training session, um, we will go in and just do, like I said, one exercise um, of squats, but then, you know, being able to do, maybe six working sets above 70 to 8% would make a session up. But then what we'll also do now, which is something I never used to do, would be drop down sets um, and just work a slightly different muscle group. So for example, Sebastian will squat very hip dominant um, in a low bar style. He will do drop down sets that would be a high bar back squat or on another day a front squat enable to work his quads a little bit more than his hips. For me, implementing um, doing a very hip dominant squat. So for me going slightly lower, having my feet slightly close together and driving my knees out in order to put the weight a little bit more into my hips would be a good drop down style for me. So that again, I'm working different muscles 
and not just the muscles that I'll implement when I'm doing Olympic weightlifting. So I think it's having an understanding of that and being open-minded to the styles in which we're executing the same exercises. It's interesting how you can vary movement slightly and get a very different result, um, which I think is what I, it's one of my favorite things in like training. I'm sure it's the same for you. Like you never stop learning because you always find like a new little thing about like how, what if I move my feet in a slightly different position, my hips slightly differently from the start of a squat or whatever it might be. Um, I think yeah. it's always very, very interesting. And talking about like training, do you add any accessory work in terms of like barbell work on top of that? Do you do any machine work or any dumbbell work or anything more like bodybuilding-esque? Yeah, well, I think just on that point that you're making there, I think people are very quick when they're watching Instagram, watching other trainers train, to go and pick up a load of bands and tie them to the bar or tie chains to a bar or to, you know, do these crazy format exercises in order to get a different stimulus than what they've had doing the, the normal exercise. And I think like for me, the normal exercises is enough, like you said, but just changing very slightly the positions to get a slightly different stimulus to what we're having. And you don't need to add a great deal of variation to the core movements that you want to improve in, in order to see improvement in them, especially at the start, because we're in the first, I'd say, six years of a movement, a technical movement like a snatch or even a deadlift, you're still actually developing a consistent movement pattern. And that requires you to spend time doing that movement to get consistent with it. If every single session you're changing the style in which you're executing an exercise, you actually develop no consistent movement pattern within that range. So I think in terms of adding variation or accessory or assistance work into my training, for me personally, because I train five days a week, I can probably have one or two days where I add a few accessory exercises in. So I definitely would stick in a little bit of bodybuilding, some bench, a little bit of cardiovascular training, just purely because I sit at my desk all day, if not else. I can do that. But if I'm only, if you're only training two or three days a week and you're trying to improve your Olympic weightlifting or your powerlifting, it's actually plenty just sticking to the core movements that you're trying to do and having three proper sessions on them as opposed to, adding in too much of variations or too much uh, accessory. And for me, at the end of the day, accessory exercises are only to supplement or to assist a technical fault that I'm having with my core movements. I think there's um, a huge amount to be taken from that. And I also think as well, sometimes people underestimate, say for example, squat, deadlift, bench press, as those three exercises as an example, the amount of different muscles you're actually recruiting you don't necessarily have to do a lot else on top of that. If you're performing and executing those exercises really well, you're pretty much training your entire body. Um, and if you were to do that three times a week, exceptionally well, like you could build an awesome physique with that alone. Yeah, I'm, I'm big on, I'm big on keeping it simple. Um, I'd, I'd training and, you know, even from a technical sporting background, training for that is difficult enough as it is. Getting, you know, going in and executing fitness or training in general is difficult enough as it is. By adding lots of different variations, different training methods, different training programs, you can run around in circles trying to achieve the goal that's actually right there in, in front of you by just executing simple stuff. So I'm, I, am, I am very big on just keeping it, keeping it simple. And I think, you know, in, in a world where 
making things complicated seems to be sexy or seems to justify a bigger paycheck. Yeah. Actually, just going back to sim- simplicity and keeping things in normal in a way that everyone can understand is actually in the for the greater good of the fitness industry a much better way to approach it yeah and i think things are starting to finally scale back that where people are getting a bit more aware of like the bs of some of the stuff that's getting pushed out there particularly some of the retarded stuff i've seen recently with like celebrities promoting fat loss injections and stupid crap in the uk so there's been a lot of that i don't know if they had the same thing in australia but it feels a little bit like the world's going slightly mental with things like that at the moment yeah it's sad because for like I, you know, the people that are doing that and the people that are going to see that and go, oh, well, it must be right because that person's doing it. They haven't been um, exposed to the fitness industry yet. So they're still very, still very naive in their, in their learning. And, you know, I, I recognized this when I went to India and, you know, you got the body power expo in, in Birmingham and the same people will go each and every year but the type of crowd is changing they're a slightly more educated person that's walking through the door got a real understanding of their training and want to be educated whereas i went to the same expo in india and you've got one of the biggest countries in the world populated countries in the world are coming into this fitness expo and they're like so what's that that you're doing with the bar you know, they're very at their infancy of understanding nutrition, supplements, training, training styles. So although we say, yeah, you can see that people are being vulnerable and getting taken advantage of with being sold these products, there's a whole world of people there that are only just really getting introduced to um, the fitness market yet. So although the change is happening, it will still impact a lot of people further down the line for the better. Yeah, 100%. Hopefully the change will come sooner than that. I think that's one of the good things with social media is that when people do put anything ridiculous like that, I think people with a voice of reason can have the opportunity to give their opinion as well, which I think is helpful. Yeah, of course. Of course. There's a lot of people now that are calling other people out for their bullshit um, in a way that makes things, again, easier for people that are less um, got less experience in fitness and health that they can understand. 100%. Um, talking about coming back to basics of things we talked about obviously training wise one of the big basics for me that like is something that's been very open in the last 12 months focusing is actually like breathing and breath work is that something that you spend much time on yourself or you fix with some of your clients you work with in terms of uh training like obviously with the, like the olympic lifts and like strength training a lot of this obviously bracing your core to keep everything stable is that something you specifically do any work with i i don't think is breathing is something that i've necessarily given particular training thought to um because it's kind of something that i guess you learn to do in olympic weightlifting and it's not like a massive factor but at the same time it still can be very powerful and again i think that's um because of the introduction i've had to olympic weightlifting it was something that you kind of just learned straight away whereas you know for new people coming in that is definitely something that i think would would benefit people to address and I definitely had questions pop up where people go, right, well, Sonny, how, how's best to breathe for a snatch or for a clean and jerk? And, you know, I think there's definitely power, power in that and having an understanding of, you know, the best ways in which to brace for the Olympic movements, um, especially for the longer ones like snatch and clean and jerk. 
Talking about um, basics as well, it's one of the things. Would you recommend weightlifting shoes for general beginners when they first come into into Olympic lifting straight away? Thoughts on barefoot yeah. training, anything like that? Yeah, so weightlifting shoes. That I, get, I reckon my most asked question on Instagram <laughs> is, Sonny, what, what are the best weightlifting shoes for me? I'm like Roman. <laughs> I think, you know, for me with, with weightlifting shoes, with CrossFit shoes, with equipment in general, that gives people the opportunity to think that by buying the next shoe, it's going to automatically make you better. By buying a tub of protein, I'm automatically going to have a better looking body. And it's kind of people's quick, easy fix because it only costs money to be able to achieve that. And you think that the change is going to happen anyway. But it's like, what the whole thing with the lifting shoes is yes having olympic weightlifting shoes to begin with will make you be able to get into the positions that are required of your olympic weightlifting easier and they'll give you more stability however if you said to me for 270 dollars you could get two pt sessions on olympic weightlifting or you could have a pair of weightlifting shoes and you said which one's going to make me lift more it'd be a training sessions but this you know, is what frustrates me so much is what will people spend yeah. the money on? It's the shoes and the protein powder or pre-workouts and stuff. Exactly. But going and having getting coaching or you know, having a program to follow, that requires hard work. And people don't necessarily want to do that bit. You know, it, which is half our job as as trainers to to convince people that, you know, they're gonna see more benefit for investing in um in the hard work they gotta do. Absolutely. And like what like just saying, I absolutely love, and I think about it all the time. It's like it probably takes me back to being a kid. Is like life's a, a game of like skill acquisition, and I think of almost like Tekken and Call of Duty and stuff like that. We used to like trying to like level up all the time. That's the way I try and think is about like layering skills and knowledge like onto myself all the time. So like for me, I love like getting trained by different people, learning different stuff because you, you, like you train, go and train with someone else with a different trainer. Every time you'll learn something slightly different, a slightly different exercise, slightly different way to move. And then that's like a, a skill you do think got for life that then like you and me as trainers can then give to other clients we work with and spread that knowledge. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, a really important thing. And what I always say when people say, Oh, what makes makes a good coach? For me, it's about learning from as many other people as you can in the field as even if you at the time disagree or don't think their way is right, there'll always be an element of what they're executing that is good or will make sense. And for me, it's about taking the best elements of all these people that you surround yourself and compiling them into a way in which you feel is the best way to deliver your knowledge. That's, that's so good. And that's um, exactly what I remember. I did a seminar with Milo Sarcher. He's been on the podcast as well. And that episode's amazing. But that was, and he said like, this is my information. This is what I personally believe. You interpret this how you feel fit for your own training, your own clients. And like that for me is a sign of like someone who's a very good coach because they're not trying to force you into their way, but they're like, this is my opinion and what's worked for my experience. You interpret and use this how you see fit, if that makes sense. And, and yeah, that's it. I mean, you can read as many, many fucking books as you want, but studies will studies will change studies will um progress so you'll never 100 percent be up to date with the research or what studies will show but nothing beats experience and actually seeing um what you do see progress 
you know, and, you know, whilst what it says in a book might be right and the studies might show, like we said earlier, that this will work and we'll see these results. So might this, there just might not have been a study on it yet, or it might come out in five, 10 years that this works too. So it's always being open-minded to that. And like I said, um, following along from if you're seeing results with something, although it might be different from what's in the study book, don't worry about it. It's the results and the actual physical improvements that you see that's important. Yeah, it's that never-ending debate, debate which you get of studies versus anecdotal research. And mine, I always tend to lean on the side of anecdotal research before like, of like your own clients or your own personal experience because it's very easy to spin a study however you want depending on the end result of what you want to get out of it and who's funding the study. So uh, people need to be Definitely. a little bit wary of that sometimes. Of course. Um, to sort of, sort of wrap things up, so I really, really appreciate your time. What would be your number one tip for anyone when it comes to the big barbell movements? Uh, if you've got one piece of word of wisdom for anyone to go away from and take from this today. Yeah, well, I, I think the, the biggest thing for me with the barbell movements and my goal and my vision is what I do now as, as, a, as a coach, as an athlete, is to, to bridge that gap for people um, into Olympic weightlifting and, and show people that weightlifting can be for everyone and that it is a sport in which I want to see every person be able to walk into a gym and feel comfortable that they can execute them, their movements and it be beneficial for them um, to do in their training. You know, it's like we said, the start weightlifting is a, an extremely good sport for developing all-round body strength, explosive power um, and strength through a full range of motion. And it is something that is for everyone. So in terms of what advice I would give someone if they're looking to get into Olympic weightlifting or address more time with the bar is first of all, don't chase putting on weight. Okay. There's always going to be someone else that lifts an extra kilo than you. So master the movement first. And only once you've mastered the technique and the movement first, do you then load the bar. And although that may sound simple, that will guarantee a much greater level of progression but for any athlete than anything else I'd say today. That's, uh, I think it's going to take home point. I think I remember master movement first. I think that's the biggest mistake I see people making is just throwing more weight on with that whole progressive overload approach with everything. So that's some really, really helpful information there, Sonny. So for people to find out more information about you, where's the best place to reach out? Maybe check out some mobility programs. Yeah, so if anyone's interested in getting into Olympic weightlifting, wants to learn it, wants to find out more information on that, then go to Sunny Webster Academy or sunnywebster.com. You can find all of my links to um, training programs as well as my email list where I send out every couple of days um, little tips and tricks on um, training via my link tree in my Instagram, which is at sunnywebstergb. But of course, if anyone's got any questions off the back of this episode that they want me to delve into a little bit more, then always feel free to send me a direct message. I'm more than happy to help you and put you in the right direction. Awesome. Pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, your time today, Sonny. I hope everyone like thoroughly enjoyed as much as I did. Make sure if you guys enjoyed this that you uh, subscribe, leave us a review, and we'll catch up with you in the next episode.